0: Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark.
1: What's on the other side of the DCU? Bat and Cat together again, kinda. Legion goes into hyperspeed, a long strange trip for Adam, a win for the robot, weird gets weirder, happy gets unhappy, and we're all Shakespeare. This is How I Got My Wife to Read Comics for Sunday, December 6, 2020. I'm Mark.
2: And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and maybe leave us a review somewhere.
1: You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9-SFP. The Other History of the DC Universe Book 1 from DC Black Label by Ridley, Kamokoki, Kuchi, and Villarubia. Long delayed by editorial chaos and pandemic, we finally get to read tales of the DCU from a diverse perspective. First off... John Ridley, writer of 12 Years a Slave, tells the origin of Black Lightning. One of DC's first attempts to create a black hero and an initially ham-fisted attempt at that. Ridley has turned this into one of the best DC books I have read in decades. It has touches that remind me of Kingdom Come and Marvels, with originally goofy plot points turned poignant and real, tying them to actual world history along with the gorgeous artwork. There is virtually no dialogue, just narration from Jefferson Pierce telling his tale. Losing his father at an early age from violence in Metropolis' suicide slum, becoming an Olympic decathlete, now part of the bloody 1972 Munich Games, later a coach and teacher, and then came the superheroes. He begins awakening to his sheet smoldering after some sort of subconscious reaction. Jefferson just assumes he's a freak, and begins sleeping in the bathtub. He meets Lynn, the love of his life. They are quickly married and wind up back in suicide slum. He sees the first black hero, GL John Stewart, which he, and the world, considers just a substitute for the real white hero, Hal Jordan. Jefferson tries to toughen up his students to prepare them for life as black people, resulting in a promising student being moved to a magnet school.
2: Meanwhile, the 100 gang moves in, taking over the drug trade, and Jefferson decides he has to stop it with his lightning-based powers. The result is one of his students being lynched. He then meets Peter Gamby, who makes him his initial suit, designed to focus his powers. He begins to make a difference, but his vigilante methods get the attention of the public and Superman. Jefferson rebukes Clark's threats to stop, saying that Black Lightning is considered a thug because he's black. Batman got to be the Dark Knight, I was just a black menace. His dual life begins to hurt his marriage and family, even though he receives commendations as a great teacher. He learns Gambi is an assassin and the man who killed his father, and in a battle, Gambi sacrifices himself to save Jefferson, who considers it a dramatic suicide. The Iranian hostage crisis begins in 1979, and the heroes, now the JLA, choose to do nothing. Mary McCabe comes into his life asking for guidance on becoming a JLA member as Vixen, and he tells her to forget it. Strange villains attack him, who are clearly JLA members in disguise, testing him for membership, which he refuses. Get yourself another boy. Lynn, who has known all along about his double life, don't see how he thought she couldn't figure it out, leaves him and takes the kids. One of Jefferson's students is shot during a subway fight, and Jefferson destroys his outfit, quitting the business. Mary does join the JLA, while Jefferson begins to see the heroes in a new light. Batman reaches out to him and he joins the Outsiders, which becomes his family for years. He learns from Metamorpho about Jon Stewart's destruction of an inhabited planet from Cosmic Odyssey and reaches out to him for support. The Outsiders break up, new diverse heroes spring up, and Jefferson arrives in Brick City with a new uniform that will stay on the hangar for now. Just a wonderfully rich story.
1: Batman Catwoman number 1 from DC Black Label by King, Man, and Moray. When Tom King was unceremoniously kicked off the Batman title after one of the best long-term storylines in that book for years, he was given the opportunity to complete his story here. For a book called Batman Catwoman, something is missing. Bat and Cat hardly have any shared panels, at least in the first issue. The book zips among past, present, and future, with very little to indicate where you are in time. The past tale is short. Bruce's first love, Andrea Beaumont, who later becomes the Phantasm, a character created in a movie from the animated continuity, now being brought into the mainline DCU. In the present, Andrea has returned, she was supposed to be dead, asking for Bruce's help to find her wayward son. Selina helps track down the teen, finding the Sewer King, yet another character from the animated series. also. At another point in time, Selena and Joker run into each other, with the latter wondering why she has finally gone straight with Bruce. She even asks her to kill him, which she obviously refuses. Andrea's son is found dead and Jokerized. It's already been established that in the future, maybe 30 to 40 years from now, Bruce is dead from cancer, leaving Selena on her own. Selena drives down to Florida to see an old friend to tell him of Bruce's death and to catch up. We're clearly to believe this is Sewer King as they look alike. In the end, the truth comes out, it's Joker living in a retirement community. Selena, no longer hamstrung with Bruce's no-killing rule, is there to take her revenge. A fascinating but complicated story that would have been far better if we knew where and when we were the whole time.
2: Legion of Superheroes number 11 by Bendis, Sook, Von Graubadger, and Belair. There's a lot going on here. It seems like Bendis was told to step on the gas. This is disconcerting considering that the issue ends with to be concluded, and we can't find a reference for an issue past the next one post-future state. Since this is currently Bendis' only DC series not already wrapping up his run... Hmm. Anyways, the team on New Krypton play with Monel's kids while debating what to do with him when a huge armada of ships and monsters attack. The team on Xanthru tracking Mordu watch the new Doctor Fate be torn apart. On Rimbor, Dawnstar finds Ultra Boy very impressive when he forcefully takes over leadership of the planet. On Earth, Triplicate Girl goes or go to Dream Girl to determine the cause of her their dreams. She, they normally don't do that. Also, Brainiac 5 and White Witch ask Gold Lantern if they can examine his power ring to determine its power source. On Daxam, the team there press Rose for details on her 1,000-year life when Mordrew attacks and kidnaps Cosmic Boy. All the attacks come in, and Brainiac assigns everyone to transport to New Krypton. John Kent zooms there. He just found out that New Krypton exists, only to find Rogelzar standing in a wasteland. I really was hoping we wouldn't go back to this guy. To be concluded.
1: Strange Adventures number 7 of 12 from DC Black Label by King, Gerards, and Shaner. Tom King has now laid all the groundwork for the storyline, but now he needs to start delivering. In short, this issue details how Adam Strange is sent across the universe and through his own life via Zeta Beam as a torture device by the Pict. We see him stopping Pict scouts from reaching Earth, killing one in front of Batman. What the hell are you doing? You can't kill them. No, you can't kill them, because you're a superhero. I'm something else. He's also sent into deep space, an alien ocean, and a frozen wasteland, as well as a hallucinogenic trip. He's back with his wife on Earth on a couch discussing their day. You have no idea. Then he's back with his family on Ran, only to be torn apart in front of them. Is it really a Zeta Beam, or some sort of drug-induced fantasy, or a picked mind-torture device? In any case, it seems to be run by another human who's already been through the ringer. Kill all of you. Well, yeah, man, that's like the plan. Adam snaps his neck now in front of a host of picked. Has he been turned? Tricked? Who knows? I hope King gets this back on track.
2: X-ray robot number four of four from Dark Horse by Alred Allred and Picos. In a surprise, at least to us, this series concludes. The robot explains to the scientist the former is a future version of the latter, that he has gathered a group of humans to this place of impossibility in case the mission fails and protect something from nothingness. The doctor sees a shining future where he is revered, the woman a devastated drowned future, the scientist a broken-down house where he runs into madmen, an all-red character, only to be pulled away by the big bad. They all meet in the end times, and the scientist fights off the big bad, getting his limbs torn off while the rest escape. They all return to the laboratory with a final goal to shut down the experiment before it happens. The big bad almost manages to come through before they do so. Somehow, they have memories of this alternate future that they stopped from happening. Trippy. And speaking of that. Colonel
1: Weird, Cosmogog, number two from Dark Horse by Lemire and Crook. We continue to watch our hero fall through various periods of his own life, being bullied as a kid and getting a glimpse of the Parazone while being held underwater. He knows there's something different about him, and he tells his mother he wishes he could disappear forever. He wakes up as an adult with his wife Eve about to go on the mission, which will start everything. He has a premonition of disaster. Now back as a child, he awakes in the middle of a crop circle. Now an adult already on his mission fighting aliens and finding a cave painting with the same design as the crop circle. Back as a bullied kid, screaming for them to stop, only to find himself again as an adult battling alongside Black Hammer and the team and seeing the anti-god for the first time. Next issue, we'll get into his hippie period. (laughs)
2: Happy Hour Number Two from Ohay Comics by Milligan, Montanat, and Sobrero. Jerry and Kim try to escape the sanitarium, figuring they can just act happy to be released. It's a trick. You haven't even had the leeches yet! Their former compatriot is fully turned, more interested in what is for lunch than escaping. So, former Olympic judo medalist Kim fights her way out with Jerry following. They grab an ice cream truck and head off. The pair begin to make puns, realizing that they have to concentrate to stay unhappy. Nurture our misery as though it were a delicate flower with nasty thorns. A tender moment is halted when kids surround the truck. Turns out it's not an ice cream truck, but a clown truck sent out to make kids happy, and they're doing a bad job of it. They run through the kids, no one is hurt, and drive off. Jerry remembers his dying grandmother, and they detour on their trip to Mexico to see her. The retirement home, making an omelet out of oblivion, is a ghastly parody of an old folks' home with the happy residents all waiting to die. Jerry finds his grandmother putting on a front of happiness. A recent stroke fixed her brain. She tells him she's glad to see him, but warns him to move on. This is difficult, as Kim seems to have have driven away with the truck.
1: The Dreaming, Waking Hours number 5 from D.C. Black Label by Wilson, Robles, and Lopez. We wrap up the Bard and the Bard arc. Lindy is accosted by what appears to be Merlin, the central figure of the play within a play she's created to determine who the real Shakespeare is, but turns out to be the sum of her doubts and fears. Meanwhile, the demons find Ruin and drag him away from Dora, only for Dora to counterattack. They run, only for Dream to find them. Meanwhile, the angel is taking the baby back to her home and hopefully back to Lindy when another angel, Cushiel, warns him to stop meddling. We also learn that babies speak in the language of angels. Back to Lindy, who realizes that there is no one single Shakespeare. He's clouded through the lens through which we see him. She and Merlin fall through the stage into darkness. Ruin embraces his nightmare nature and fights the demons, only for Dream to step in. Ruin is asked why he's done all this. It's all to save the baby. Dream grabs Lindy from her fall, sending her back to the waking world to see her baby with no memory of what has happened. Ruin still wants to find the dreaming boy he loves and says he will continue to escape. Dream allows him to go to the waking world with the understanding that now he will be in death's domain, a.k.a. he will age and die. Next issue, back to Heather's story and whatever happened to Puck.
0: Call us at 614 That's 614 sfp Back to you, Mark.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye bye.